everyone. This is Shana Dubay, and welcome to the very first episode of A Good Quote Podcast. I am super excited to finally be recording. I know it's been a little while since I've done my intro, but I am here now, and I'm excited to talk about some of the most inspiring words that have helped me so much in my life and the lives of my clients. I've always believed a good quote can change your life, so I'm hoping that this is as enlightening and inspiring to you as it is to me. And when I was trying to think about how I would start this podcast, I spent so much time searching for like the best quote, and sometimes life kind of hands it to you and it becomes clear. So for me, a couple of weeks ago, I got some news that my mom is sick and nothing brings you into the present moment with as quickly and with as much pain as finding out that you or someone that you love is sick. So the quote that has really been kind of bouncing around my mind and has been in my thoughts lately is the inspiration for this first episode. It is a quote by Jack Kornfield, which says, the trouble is you think you have time. Now, actually, the first time I really heard this quote, I thought that it was a Buddha quote, actually. It was attributed to him. But when I was doing some research, I found that it was actually an adaptation from a Jack Kornfield book that was written in 1994 called Buddha's Little Instruction Book. And Jack actually refers to this quote or this concept in one of his audio discs. And he says that the concept actually comes from Carlos Castaneda's character, Don Juan. Now, it comes originally from a book called Journey to Islan, The Lessons of Don Juan. And the original quote from there says, there is one simple thing wrong with you. You think you have plenty of time. If you don't think your life is going to last forever, what are you waiting for? Why the hesitation to change? You don't have time for this display. This, whatever you're doing now, may be your last act on earth. It may very well be your last battle. There is no power that can guarantee that you are going to live one more minute. So I think that we all understand the basic concept of this quote. We all know that we're mortal. We have a limited amount of time on this earth and that we should be as aware of that as possible. But we don't. We really don't. We live in an almost constant state of denial of our own mortality. We kind of keep going on day after day and we don't pay attention to the fact that time is ticking by. That's true until there's a crisis. So once a crisis arises, our mortality or those of the ones that we love, we get smacked across the face with it and it wakes us up. And we realize how precious our time really is, how quickly it goes by, and how much time we actually waste on stuff that doesn't even matter. Every parent understands this. Every mom or dad, especially moms, I hear moms talk about this kind of stuff all the time. When you think about your child and you say, oh my God, they're already turning 
fill in the blank age. I remember when they were just a baby. It goes by in a flash. We all understand this concept, but we really do waste a lot of time. So when a crisis happens and we're launched into the present moment, in those moments, that's where we say, I am going to make a change. That's we vow that things are going to be different. And we say we're going to do it every New Year's resolution. That's perfect, right? Every Come the first of the year, I am going to go to the gym every day and I'm going to eat healthy or you know, I'm going to quit smoking or whatever it is. We make all of these New Year's resolutions to do these things. But then once that moment of presence leaves us or the crisis ends, we slowly revert back to the comfort of our old habit loops. Why do we even do that? It doesn't even make sense. But if we look at kind of how our brain functions, it makes a lot of sense. Our survival brain really wants us to stay in our old pattern loops. It's comfortable there. We know what to um, expect. Even if we don't love it, there is a great deal of comfort and stability in the known. Even if the known is not great, you know you can count on it. You know you can deal with it. You can figure it out. And actually, um, what's interesting, if you look into Bruce Lipton's work, he's an amazing uh, cell biologist that talks about the conscious and subconscious mind. A lot of scientists now in the research says that once you're an adult, you're only present in your conscious mind for like 5% of the time. This means 95% of your life is being run by your pre-programmed subconscious brain. That is so scary. I don't know if anybody else is scared by that. But the perfect example of this is ever get in your car and you drive somewhere, probably somewhere you've been a million times, and you don't remember driving there? I have asked so many people this, and everyone seems to understand this phenomenon. How is, can that be? And it's also a little bit frightening if you look at all the people who are driving around not really paying attention to what's going on. And now we have cell phones and texting and all this stuff that we're, our, our minds are distracted constantly. We're not paying attention. So meanwhile, while our mind is busy worrying about what's going to happen in the future or ruminating over and over and over again about mistakes that we've made in the past, the present moment where like 100% of your life is actually happening, it's just marching past us. This is often why we continue to make the same mistakes and choices over and over again. The only way to really change thus making the best use of our limited time, is to be present in the moment. This is where we become the architect of our own lives. The real problem with that is that people don't like change. Everybody says that. I'm sure that some of you listening will say that too. I hate change. I have heard that said by everyone, including myself. So... It doesn't really happen. Change doesn't happen until the pain of the status quo becomes worse than the pain of the vulnerability associated with that change. So the perfect example of this is losing weight. That's something that's been a personal struggle of mine for my whole life. 
I know a lot of other people have, have also run into the same struggles. It's hard to even talk about because it's something that's surrounded by a lot of shame for most people, including myself. But I think most people understand this type of struggle. And if weight is not something that you've ever struggled with, I'm sure you have something else that you can kind of fill in the blank. Struggle often feels the same. So for me, like I know all the statistics around losing weight, um, the comorbidities, increased possibility that I could literally just not wake up one day. But somehow I can consistently allow my brain to sort of float off into that warm sea of denial as I sit on the couch eating an ultimate peanut butter whoopie pie and watching the reruns of the Gilmore Girls for like the hundredth time. Then I wake up and I need to go to the doctor because I have headaches and I find out that my blood pressure is high. And so now I have to be on blood pressure meds. And the, these sort of like nebulous possibilities of what could happen if I don't lose weight now have started to become reality. This is, this is that moment, right? Those are those moments where you go, oh my God, I've wasted so much time. Why haven't I done something before now? And then like shame and guilt start to come in. Shame and guilt are really familiar feelings for pretty much everyone in our society, unless you're a sociopath. But in the world of overeaters, we are just swimming in it. So I say this from experience, that nothing is a more of a waste of our precious time than living in shame. It's such a waste of time. It's not helpful. It's completely counterproductive. It's not a good motivator and it's not a good punishment. And it's definitely not helpful in helping us get our shit together. Sorry, didn't mean to swear, but you know what I mean? It just isn't. It's not helpful. But we do that to ourselves all the time. We live in a space of such deep shame. So then it ends up being part of the habit loop, right? So you sit on the couch, get your whoopie pie, get your Gilmore Girls going on loop on Netflix because, you know, we don't have to wait for anything now. It's instant gratification. And so you're sitting there and you zone out and you're numbing with, with the food and the shows and everything in order to not feel the pain of being in the present moment. And then you wake up and you're on blood pressure meds and you feel so bad. And then you just get sucked down into that shame. But what happens when you have all this shame and guilt? It's really highly correlated to me getting back on the couch with another whoopie pie and another episode of Lorelai Gilmore. I'm just saying. So it's not helpful in changing at all. So what do we do? Because if punishment and shame doesn't work, I don't know why that ever started, but really we think of this idea that punishment somehow works as a motivator when in reality it doesn't. What do we do? So in my experience, when I've observed any real change happen, either in my own life or the lives of my clients, friends, family, it really happens when we reconnect to our emotional and intuitive selves. It's as simple as that. 
if I could stop for a second before eating the whoopie pie and checked in with my body and said, do you want this? Does this feel good? Do you feel good after you eat it? Reconnecting with our, my emotional selves and saying, am I eating this because I'm hungry or am I eating this because I really want to drown out all the really hard emotions that I'm having? A lot of times it's going to come back to, I'm trying to numb. We numb in a million, a million types of ways, really and truly. There's a million ways to numb. This just happens to be mine in particular. But I am completely cut off from my emotional self and my intuitive self. Because if I really listened and paid attention to my mind and body after I ate that, I don't feel that good. But I numb it out and I rationalize it. And then I feel really guilty and really ashamed of myself. And I go through the process of punishing myself. And then once I'm punished enough, it frees me up to do it again. We need to trust our guts again. No pun intended. We spend so much time in our logical and rational brain that we've lost touch with ourselves and each other. We've become so disconnected as a human community that we hurt each other and ourselves over and over again. And then we rationalize it away. The answers that we need for what really bring good change are inside of us. Whether it's reconnecting to our own needs as an individual, like what does my mind, body, and spirit really need? Or reconnecting to others in the world. We look at the problems that we have as a society today. A lot of it stems from not connecting to our intuitive selves. So my takeaway from this amazing quote, it really is, it's very straightforward quote, but my takeaway is don't wait. Just don't. Don't wait to believe in yourself, to fill yourself up with love and courage. Don't wait to make the changes in your life that you know are going to be good for you even if you're unsure about what the outcome will be, even if you're scared. Because when you're scared, that's your moment to be brave. That's where courage steps in. We're here to experience life. And we have a purpose. It's your job to figure out why you're here. And you're never going to do it if we spend all of our time in our unconscious mind. And then before you know it, the end of our lives come and we say, where did the time go? What happened? And you look back and realize how much of your life you spent on things that didn't really matter or you didn't do things because you were afraid. This goes for me too. It really does. But what I'm saying to you now is don't wait. Follow your passion. Trust your gut. Reconnect to yourself and to others and move forward into the space that is yours in life. Step into your purpose. Don't waste your time. 
we have so little of it left. I hope that you have enjoyed the first episode of a good quote podcast. Um, this quote really just means so much to me, especially right now. Stay tuned for new episodes. They're coming soon. I unfortunately can't give you exact times right now because my life is a little bit up and down, but I'm going to do my best to put new episodes up weekly. Uh, some of the new next episodes that are coming, I'm going to have some friends and colleagues join me um, to create a deeper conversation and have some other input into some of these awesome quotes. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, time goes by in a flash. Don't waste it. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.